Well, today, as you know, marks two years since the World Health Organization declared COVID-19 a global pandemic. I think most of us remember where we were, at least in the coming days, as the reality of what that actually meant sank in for all of us. We really had no concept of what the next 24 hours, 24 days, let alone 24 months might actually look like. I remember the fear and anxiety of those early days, adapting to remote work, being at home all the time, remote learning, the way everything all of a sudden went very quiet outside, except for that nightly applause for healthcare workers fighting this new killer virus. I look back and I think of the pauses, then the getting back together with friends and family, then the variants, Delta and Omicron, sending us all back to the drawing board, kind of. Through it all, we made a lot of sacrifices and we helped save lives by doing so, let's be honest. We did indeed stick together despite our difference in opinions at times. More than 80% of us got vaccinated. Many of us listened to the rules and followed them, not because we necessarily knew they were right. Sometimes we'd argue about them at home, but because we needed to believe in the science behind them, even when that science, as it should, meant that those rules sometimes changed. And we did it to protect each other, and it worked. We don't know what lies ahead, but we do know we can collectively thank all those who worked so hard to protect us, keep our store shelves stocked, keep our supply chains working, and we can thank each other for protecting each other. According to Johns Hopkins University, the virus has killed more than 6 million people around the world, 37,000 here in Canada. In Britain today, there was a minute of silence to pay respect to the sacrifices made by health and social care workers there. Well, experts are cautiously optimistic that we may have seen the end of these lockdowns and widespread safety protocols, but even now they do leave behind a divisive legacy. We were once all in it together. It doesn't really feel that way now. I saw a survey today that showed the vast majority of Canadians, all ages, men and women, feel like people have been driven further apart over the last 24 months. Four in five say that's the case. So what has driven this sense of apartness over the course of the pandemic? Now that mandates are being lifted, can we find common purpose again? Can we agree even just to disagree? Joining me now is Timothy Caulfield, Canada Research Chair in Health Law and Policy and a professor at the University of Alberta. Thanks for your time tonight, Timothy. Thanks for having me on. I guess just your initial reaction, we're coming up on two years now since most of us were sort of all of a sudden seized with the reality of COVID-19, remote work vaccine passports, masking. Um, we're now sort of seeing the lifting a lot of these restrictions that came in after the surge of Omicron. Um, it seemed, it feels like the right time, but there's been so much political pressure. How do you see it? Yeah, it, it is a very interesting time to reflect on, on both the policies, you know, as we're seeing these policies unfold across not just Canada, but around the world, but also on, on what the evidence says. Um, and so, look, uh, this departure from from the pandemic lockdown has been ragged. You know, let's call it that. You know, it, it, not every jurisdiction is is using the exact same approach, and I think that that creates some confusion. In addition to that, I think it's really important to emphasize that look, you know, the evidence about when we should be lifting these restrictions is not crystal clear, and I think that allows a high degree of politicization, even, even when we see um, almost uniform agreement, agreement in North America anyway, that we're going to start, start to lift uh, many of the major uh, pandemic policies. So I, I think we're seeing that divisiveness 
And by the way, there is research to back that up. There's been a lot of surveys, as you can imagine, follow it really closely, that, that highlight the degree to which Canadians in particular are, are divided uh, on, for example, lifting mask mandates, uh, moving away from vaccine, vaccine mandates and passports. So even at this moment in time when there, there's hope about the pandemic, we're seeing that, that, that division. What do you think? I mean, I think we've seen a whole political movement built up around that division to some extent. How much has that surprised you? If you take yourself back 24 months to the to the heady pre-COVID times when we sort of saw there was an anti-vaccination movement, obviously, but it seems to become so much more entrenched now in 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 politics in general, both here and in the U.S. Uh, how is uh, how has that happened? Yeah, you know, if I could, I often often reflect on that. Actually, you know, imagine imagine the world in February of 2020, and, and I study misinformation, and we got a grant almost immediately, you know, to to look at misinformation in this context. And despite that, I was surprised by the amount of misinformation and how quickly it became about ideology and polarization. In part, I think. It's because American politics became relevant very, very quickly. You know, Trump was still president at the time. There were a lot of really interesting studies that highlighted highlighted the degree to which Trump and and the politics that surround Trump helped to shape the COVID narrative in the United States. And there's been research since then that have highlighted the degree to which that that narrative, those narratives had an impact on on the discourse in, in Canada, especially in the context of social media, right? You know, there's absolutely no doubt that that's helped to shape how we talk about COVID here. So you, you probably know this, early days in, in Canada, um, there was research that showed that, you know, Canadians are pretty unified. You know, we really were, it was like, we're in this together, we're gonna beat this pandemic. But very quickly, it became about, about politics. And, and right now, let's say over the last six months, Holy cow, it's almost entirely about politics and ideology. And if you look at the research, it's the Venn diagrams overlap almost exactly, right? Almost exactly where you have, you know, those on the far right being against uh, the restrictions, being, being against, uh, ma- you know, masks and vaccines. And, uh, and, and by the way, also embracing misinformation. Um, it, it, the overlap is, is incredible. And I want to be really careful here. If I may, I know I'm going on a little bit long, but I want no, to be no, careful. That. I'm not picking on an ideology because this happens across the ideological spectrum, depending on the topic, right? Depending on the topic, you see this kind of ideologically motivated embrace of a of misinformation. But in the context of COVID, especially masks and vaccines, that's what we've seen. I was going to say because you know I think when we look back at this with the with the benefit of hindsight, we'll see that at some points in time there were restrictions in place that weren't necessary or didn't work. Um, the idea was that we had to trust public health officials or trust the science, so to speak. And what seems um, like might be one of the lasting legacies, and perhaps an unfortunate lasting legacy of this whole experience, is that the trust in public health officials now seems to have waned in certain parts of our society. Yeah, I I think this is going to be, um, I I agree with you. And and I I like to put an optimistic spin on it. So let's put a glass half full spin on it. Let's, let's put it this way, you know, hopefully, we're going to learn how important having trustworthy recommendations are, right, you know, that we, we need to make sure that when we're making public health 
recommendations that they are presented in a way that allows the the public to trust those recommendations. And I think part of that is being honest about the uncertainty, right? Being uh, honest about the the, how fluid the science is that is underpinning the recommendations. So when inevitably the recommendations might have to be ad- adjusted, the public's ready for that, right? They, they appreciate that, okay, uh, you know, two months ago, you told us you made this recommendation given the existing evidence. Now that evidence is different because the evidence has, has evolved. And we saw that with masks, for example. Uh, you know, it's interesting because masks, I think, are, re- are going to be this case study that we're analyzing for years, because, you know, we started with one recommendation. You'll remember, out of the gate, the recommendation was masks weren't necessary, in fact, might be harmful. And that was uniform and based, by the way, on scientifically plausible justifications, you know, about behavioral compensation, touching your face, the idea that they might do more spread more than, you know, than they, than they stopped the spreading. Um, very quickly, a body of evidence emerged to tell us that masks were helpful. We saw the, the, the recommendations change. But then the recommendations became more nuanced, right? We re- recognized that maybe outside, you know, the data on being outside has been, been amazing uh, in the sense that, that it's not as risky when you're outside, right? So, and we saw the evidence around ventilation, et cetera, evolve. So it's, it is going to be a really interesting case study to get a sense of how the public health recommendations matched up with what the science was was actually actually telling us. But I, if I again could <laughs> go on and say one more thing, that I think is sure. super super important. One of the things we're seeing right now, and, and it is largely ideologically driven, is this kind of revisionist history, right? Uh, of of what the science said. Let's be crystal clear here: masks were and are a vital public health tool. That's what the research tells us, right? Um, Let's also be crystal clear that the vaccines were incredibly successful, saving hundreds of thousands of lives. A study came out today in science, around 700,000 people saved by these vaccines, right? And And you get this revisionist history where they're trying to say, oh, we didn't need the vaccines, we didn't need, um, masks, we didn't need to have, you know, physical distancing, etc, etc. That's just not, not right. I'm speaking with Timothy Caulfield, the Canada Research Chair in Health Law and Policy and Professor at the University of Alberta, and also the author of a book called uh, Relax, A Guide to Everyday Health Decisions with More Facts and Less Worry. And that seems like a very opportune time to discuss that because I feel like there are going to be a significant number of people who are going to be worried about mandates being lifted, and we should discuss that, and we will do so after this. I'm back now with Timothy Caulfield, Canada Research Chair in Health Law and Policy, professor at the University of Alberta, and uh, author of the recent or relatively recent Relax, A Guide to Everyday Health Decisions with More Facts and Less Worry. One of the things that I was struck by over the last little while as mandates were being lifted, much to the celebration of some, but certainly much to the horror of others, is how are people going to react to this now that these mandates have been lifted when in some ways it was kind of a security blanket for for many people uh, to be able to wear a mask? It sort of felt like you were protecting yourself against the unknown. And now that's been taken away. What do you think the impact will be? And how should people uh, reassess, you know, reassess what they're going to do going forward? I think it's going to be fascinating to see how this social norm evolves. Don't you think? I mean, uh, uh, I, I went up to dinner last night so here we have Edmonton, Alberta, just lifting their uh, their mask mandates, 
And uh, my wife and I, who's a physician, we decided, you know, we're going to wear, we're going to wear a mask still, right? Um, going into stores, going into restaurants. So we wore a mask going into the restaurant. We met our friends there, had a lovely evening. I got up to go to the bathroom um, a couple of times. Uh, I, and then we got up to leave. We didn't put our masks back on. And it wasn't because we didn't think we should. It's just this it left our mind, right? And it shows you how quickly your surroundings and social norm, no one else had their masks on, social norms can impact your behavior. So you have, I, I think that we're going to see that kind of evolution. And um, uh, I do think there's going to be a cohort of individuals that are going to want to continue to wear the masks. And I, I don't think we should shame them, right? I think if this is what they need to do to feel comfortable, then we should accept that. Um, but we are going to see, I think, for the foreseeable future, this kind of um, polarized public behavior, because I've also seen the opposite, right, where you have people sort of, as soon as the, the mandates were lifted, that it was like the science had changed right. <laughs> overnight, and they're defiantly not wearing their masks. So I, I think we're going to see that for, for a bit. Um, and uh, going forward, where we land, it's going to be interesting. I, I suspect it's going to be we're going to still, masks aren't going away. I think we're going to see people wearing them on, on planes. And I also think we're going to see people wearing them in situations where they're, and I hope, I hope this is the case. I hope this is the case where individuals are immunocompromised or they're individuals who are at increased risk. Um, so I, I think masks are going to remain, uh, but uh, in a very different kind of format. I certainly hope you're right. I hope there is a level of respect out there. But I know that people who felt that they were made to wear masks and felt, you know, people who either were denied, couldn't get into a restaurant, couldn't get onto public transit for whatever reason, there's there must be anger out there now for people who felt like they were, uh, where the shoe is now on the other foot, so to speak. Do you think that's going to manifest itself? I, I do. I do. And the other other aspect of that of that story is this idea that somehow that they won because the the masks uh, mandates are being taken away when, you know, that I always, I joke that it's like someone who's uh, against wearing a winter jacket, you know, they're against big coat, the big coat industry. Right. And then when spring comes, they go, see, we won. Right. You know, it's, you know, that's, that's not the case at all. Everyone I, I know, and I work very, very closely with the public health policy community in Canada. We all knew that and hoped for an evolution in the public health policies. You know, no one was saying forever. Right. Um, uh, so I, I do think we need to try, try, try to have a level of respect and not shame either either parties uh, in in the space right now. We've got to move forward. The one thing that I find really interesting is, you know, we're probably not done with COVID yet. At least that doesn't seem like it's the case. If you look at, say, somewhere like Hong Kong these days, it's crystal clear that we're not done. How much room have governments given themselves now if they have to start bringing some of these things back? Not a lot, I think. I think it's an excellent point. And that goes back to the comments I made about revisionist history. You know, one of the things I'm worried about is if we don't combat that revisionist history, that somehow, you know, we didn't need the masks, that the there was, you know, ridiculous overreach by government, that the vaccines weren't necessary, that it's not going to give us the flexibility to say, you know what, we have another spike. Well, I'm, I'm knocking wood. Hopefully we don't. Yeah. Um, but if another if another uh, spike comes that are, are we going to be able to motivate individuals to go back to those? I think it's going to be really tough. I really do think it's going to be tough given the current uh, current environment. As a last question, when you look back over the two years, the back and forth, the updates, the passports, the, the masking, the not masking, masking, was it all worth it? Yes. 
it was all all worth it. Did we did public health officials get stuff wrong? Yes, uh, but mostly, mostly this was science working. Right, the the vaccines alone were a scientific miracle. Timothy Caulfield, thank you so much for your time tonight. I appreciate it. Thanks so much.